my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we're always talking about, of course, the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is breaking apart. We look at it through the lenses of politics, finance, and technology. And of course, that technology is Bitcoin. It's a decentralized technology that's changing the world. And wow, have we had big news this week. Now, shouldn't be a big surprise because I've been talking about it for a long time, but all of this talk, all of this conjecture, all this speculation finally came to pass this last week with the SEC finally approving a Bitcoin ETF and not just approving a Bitcoin ETF, but approving 11 Bitcoin ETFs. And it went off with massive amount of fireworks. You do not want to miss out on this. So we're going to break down what exactly happened. What happened before it got approved that basically shook the entire market and caused a massive problem? I'm going to dig into that. Then we're going to talk about exactly what happened, the 11 that got approved, what we're already seeing already, the good actors, the bad actors, the ones you need to stay away from, the ones you should be using instead, and what you could be expecting in the days and weeks ahead. We're going to cover all of that and more. You do not want to miss this, so don't walk away from uh, wherever you're listening to this. All right, we're going to dig into this, but let's just talk about this for a minute. First of all, like I said, the ETF got approved. Now, what does the ETF even mean? For those of you that don't know, <laughs> let me just break it down for you real quick. It's an exchange-traded fund. So it's basically a fund that pools assets together and allows you to buy them to them very easily. Now, ETFs have mainly been around for 
things that are hard to buy. Specifically, they work really well for commodities. So think like uranium. <laughs> you can't really buy uranium. You can't really store it. Uh, oil, you can't really store oil. And so you can buy them through an ETF, a fund. Um, but they're also, you can make a, basically an ETF for anything. So I could just come up with a theme like the decentralized theme, for example. I could put a whole bunch of companies' stocks into this uh, basket that fit into this theme of decentralization, and it could be a decentralized ETF, for example. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a Bitcoin ETF. Now, they've been trying to get Bitcoin ETFs through for years and years and years, and the SEC has continually denied them over and over and over again for unknown reasons. In 2017, we saw um, commodity futures trading open up for, for Bitcoin. So we could trade Bitcoin futures, which is you know, protected, uh, another form of a regula regulated and protected trade in the United States. So futures have been okay, but not ETFs. Why is that? Well, we don't really know, but we have some speculation. Part of it is because the SEC, the government, Gary Genzer, whatever you want to call it, doesn't want a Bitcoin ETF to go through for any number of reasons. Potentially, they don't want the number to go up. You see, when you do a futures you're basically betting on the price. You're not buying Bitcoin. You're just betting that the price will be higher or lower and you're settling in cash. These ETFs are spot ETFs. So what that means is if you put a dollar into the Bitcoin ETF, that ETF now has to go buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin on the market. And if you know anything about economics, Economics 101, all prices move on supply and demand. So if you have more demand, more people trying to buy Bitcoin through the ETFs and they have to go buy it, then it's going to then push the price up, assuming that the demand stays the same or even goes down, which we'll talk about because the supply the supply goes down. And, and we're going to talk about that because the supply is going down. It's known as the halving event. All right. So that's sort of the, the high level, this ETF. Potentially, they didn't want to go through. Now, it started to escalate because, you know, more and more companies started putting these ETFs uh, proposals through. And the SEC has been denying these things for years. No big deal. But people have been continuing to push back, push back, push back. Grayscale uh, took them to court. And basically, the SEC lost because they said that, hey, uh, you guys really have no reason to deny these things. Now, Things really escalated um, when BlackRock put their ETF proposal through. When BlackRock put their ETF proposal through, I basically knew it was a done deal, right? BlackRock operates as sort of a semi-quasi arm of the government. We've seen through 2020, the banking crisis in 2023, where they work on behalf of the government to do things, right? So that's why I call them like a semi-quasi arm of the government. So when BlackRock which dominates the ETF space, by the way, put an ETF proposal through, dominating the ETF space, <laughs> working with the government, it was like, come on, of course they're gonna get this through. Like they would not have done this if they didn't know that they could have already got it through. And so we knew it was already a done deal. I knew it was a done deal. We've been talking about this for a long time. The only question came down to when. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And, um, and a question of what would happen after the fact. And so here we have it, they got approved and we've been seeing fireworks. Now I made a video um, back, uh, back the first week of December, I think December 4th. And the title of that video was warning about the approval of a Bitcoin ETF. I wanted to warn people. So far it seems to be right, but I wanna just highlight a couple things I talked about in that video. Uh, first of all, <laughs> 
if you listen to this show on a regular basis, you already know I talk about Bitcoin all the time. I'm not one of the guys on YouTube or podcast or radio, well, nobody on radio, uh, that just jumps on the bandwagon and talk about Bitcoin. And I don't want to be like, I told you so either, but let's do a little bit of told you so. So let's see here. Let's uh, recount some of this. Um, just including YouTube alone, in June of 2022, when Bitcoin was $19,000, I said, new data reveals the real Bitcoin value. Should you buy now? That was June of 22. It was 19,000. Uh, July of 22, I said, do these charts show it's time to buy Bitcoin? And it was at 19,000. Then we can uh, fast forward. We go to October of 2022. I said, will Bitcoin go, because people still thought it was going to drop. I said, will it go to 12,000? or go up to 30,000 first. That was October of uh, 2022, it was at 18,000. All these chances you had to buy. Um, uh, uh, November of 2022, I made a video called The Great Reset of Crypto is Happening. Bitcoin was at 15,900, you had a chance to buy. Uh, January of 17, uh, January 17th of 2023, a year ago, I said, new data tells us it's time to buy. It was at 20,000. Uh, another video, January 23rd, uh, January 2023, I said, breaking data shows the Fed pivot is here. Do this now. And the do this now was to buy Bitcoin. Uh, March of 2023, I said, Bitcoin, the title was Bitcoin is pumping. Buy now or wait. Of course, I said to buy. That was at 26,000. Um, May of 2023, I said, Fed, Fed data shows they control Bitcoin. What's next? And of course, I was going to say they can't really control it. Uh, that was the 26,000. So anyway, I could go on. You get the point. We've made lots of these. But I made this video talking about the approval of Bitcoin. There was a warning there. What was the warning? The warning was that once this ETF got approved, we could potentially see a sell-off happen in the price of Bitcoin. And the reason why I said that is because a lot of people were expecting that as soon as this ETF got approved, there'd be a massive run up in the price. And I said that the reason why most people expect that is because they think that if all this money flows into these ETFs, everyone's gonna rush out and go buy them and it would then um, send the price to the moon. But I said, that's not really how it works. You see, um, ETFs have already bought the Bitcoin. Now, not in the ETF fund themselves, but in these buffer accounts, because the ETF can't be buying and selling Bitcoin every single day in the market. They can't move the market that fast. The market isn't big enough to handle that type of volume. And so most of these ETF companies have already bought in what's known as like a seed account or like a buffer account. And that account will you know, actively trade and manage that in the market, the ETF will be buying and selling from that buffer account. That's what I'm calling it. Um, and so it wouldn't really drive the price. And so what I thought is that a lot of people trying to front run the price of the ETF would buy it up. And then as soon as it got approved, they'd sell it off to make that quick rip. We might see a, a drawdown. And the warning that I gave was don't get tricked out, right? Don't get faked out by the market. Don't go, oh my gosh, I should sell. That might be what they want is to take over your Bitcoin because they're certainly going to need it. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the news of the Bitcoin ETF. We'll be back with a whole lot more in a minute. You don't want to miss it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. 
Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the big news. Uh, the coming out party, if you will. Bitcoin has finally made it to the mainstream. It's across uh, the chasm, as I like to say. Cross the chasm. What does crossing the chasm mean? Well, crossing the chasm is a term uh, that we use to look at technology adoption. You might have seen this chart before. It's sort of like a bell curve. And it shows how new technology, such as the telephone and the color TV, the washing machine, the internet, and Bitcoin, things like that, new technologies reach adoption. And basically, they follow a predictable pattern, which you hear me talk about quite a bit, you know, technology cycles. But basically, you have the beginning part, which is the innovators. This is the person who developed the technology. So the guys that wrote the code, that came up with the idea, et cetera. And typically, that brings to uh, three, four, small, single-digit um, adoption, right? Because not that many of them. After that is uh, the next section that comes into this new technology, and these are called the true believers. So these are the guys that catch it early. These are the tinkers, the hobbyists, the ones that really believe in it. That would be me. I would put myself into the true believer camp of Bitcoin. And that typically gets us to about 15% adoption, maybe as high as up to 20% adoption. Then what happens, you see a big jump up in that bell curve. But before we get what's known as the early majority, if you don't own Bitcoin yet, you could be part of the early majority. Before we get the early majority, there's something known as the chasm. And the chasm is a gap. And the the gap has to be crossed. The chasm has to be crossed before the early majority comes in. And then after the early majority is finally the late majority comes in. All right. So the chasm is something that has to be crossed and it's a mindset shift, right? Maybe you, there's a lot of people listening right now that think in it, that Bitcoin is stupid. 
It's a tulip. It's a magical internet money. I can't trust something that I can't hold in my hand. Fill in the blank. I've heard it all. And uh, it's a new technology. So of course, not everybody believes in it. It's brand new. Well, not anymore. It's 15 years old. But you know, at the time, it's new. I don't know what it is. I'm a skeptic. You know, all of these things, whatever your doubt may be about Bitcoin. But the chasm is where something changes so the the mindset of everybody will shift something changes where it gets very easy to use or becomes legitimate or something like that so um in the early days of the vcr for example uh there weren't really anything to do with the vcr there weren't a lot of movies on the vcr and the first use case of the vcr like most most tech uh, like the internet uh was for porn for pornography and so obviously, yeah, that's uh, especially back when the VCR came back. But even today, porn isn't really accepted in mainstream. Uh, certainly it wasn't back then. And the only use case for the VCR was for porn. And so people overlooked the VCR. Why would we use it? We don't need that. There's nothing to do with it other than watch porn, etc. What brought the VCR into mainstream was Disney decided to release a movie on the VCR. When Disney released a movie, then other people started releasing movies. And once there was Disney and other good movies to get, then the mindset shifted and everybody went and started buying VCRs, right? And we can go on and on and about this, but this chasm I believe has been crossed. And I believe we've been getting sort of getting across the chasm, if you will. And, uh, but I think we finally crossed the chasm. Now we've crossed the Rubicon, if you will. And that is because this ETF has finally legitimized it. Uh, if you're a skeptic at this point, still thinking it's stupid, it's a tulip, it's a fad, it's gonna go away, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just don't know what else to say to you anymore. We have the largest asset manager in the world, BlackRock, which I'm no fan of, by the way. They're, uh, they're run by Larry Fink, so arguably one of the most powerful men in the entire world. He was on CNBC, and I've talked about this before, now it's been a month or two ago, and he said that people are moving to Bitcoin for safety. So arguably one of the most powerful men in the entire world runs the largest asset manager in the world is calling Bitcoin a flight to safety. They've launched a Bitcoin ETF and not just one, but 11 ETFs were approved. Not just one, but 11, the, the largest asset managers in the world, not just BlackRock. We're talking about like Fidelity and a bunch of other big ones. As a matter of fact, we'll talk about those in a minute. And now it's legitimate. Now, Every financial advisor has the ability to now recommend uh, Bitcoin into a financial portfolio. Um, I talked about this before. I think 72% of financial advisors in a poll, 72% of them said that they would allocate money towards Bitcoin if an ETF got approved. So there you have it, 72%. That is uh, that's at least the early majority. That might even be the late majority too. The, the chasm has been crossed. Bitcoin is easy. It's the best performing asset. It's been around for 15 years. It's certainly not a tulip. It keeps coming back over and over and over. It's now recognized by the largest asset manager in the world. It's approved by the government and now everybody can buy it. It's a big deal. 
Um, I have this prop on my desk here. I just want to show this to you. This is a block clock. It tracks the price of Bitcoin in real time. Uh, it lost power in March of 2022 when Bitcoin price was at 47,000. And I'm waiting to plug it back in until it gets over that price, which um, it should any minute or any day now. Uh, it's popped over that today a few times. It hasn't uh, closed over that price yet. So we'll see where that's at. And here we are on the first day at the time of this recording, uh, the first day of trading in this um, Bitcoin ETF. And I want to tell you what's already happening. But before we do, I want to go back just a little bit of time. Uh, I want to talk about what happened before the launch because more signs of government incompetence, you know, for as, uh, as scared as I am on many things the government's doing about, you know, our potential future. One thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that, uh, man, the amount of government incompetence is so high. And it, what happened is, uh, it, it'll probably give you a little chuckle. Um, maybe it was government incompetence, maybe it was intentional, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, but it reminds me of a story that happened to me about five years ago. Right around this time, as a matter of fact, it was in January of 2018. And I was with my family on the North Shore of Oahu. I was in Hawaii. We rented a house right there on the beach for a month because uh, I love to surf. I love the big waves. And so we're over there and we wake up, but it's about eight in the morning and our phones are all going off like this, uh, these alerts and I go to grab my phone and take a look at it. And on my phone is a, is a message. And I think I have it right here. I have the actual um, text message that we got here. Let me pull it up. I'll just read it to you. Yeah, so here we go. Um, yeah, so here we go. Uh, on my phone, emergency alert, and it says, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. <laughs> that was it. That's what it said. My phone's going off. My wife's phone's going off. My daughter's phone's going off. We grab the phone and we wake up, like still got, you know, sleep in our eyes, et cetera. And all of a sudden it just says, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. <laughs> now we're an Airbnb. Like, I mean, we go to Hawaii quite a bit, but I don't know much about the island. I don't know if there's bomb shelters or nuclear bunkers. I certainly don't have any iodine if it's a nuclear attack. Like, I mean, we're just over there on vacation, right? And this is what we see. Now, I'm telling you this story because this is sort of what happened with the SEC. So I'm gonna explain to you exactly what happened with the SEC, uh, but I gotta take a very quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, we're talking about, I think it's potentially, I, I think the future will show this might be the biggest move we've seen in the financial markets in decades. All right, this is a big deal uh, and you need to know about it. We'll talk about it more when I, take, when I, when I come back from a very short break. Again, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. Uh, so I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the Bitcoin ETF. Massive news. Do not sleep on this. Let me break it down for you a little bit. Uh, right before the break, though, I was telling you about this story of how I was in Hawaii in January of 2018. And I woke up to getting this uh, inbound ballistic missile threat um, saying it's not a drill. Um, now, we sat there for, uh, as a matter of fact, this is what got me to join Twitter uh, because we could not find any information about this. Um, we scoured the internet, scoured the news, turned on the TV. There was nothing about it. My business partner at the time, uh, he was on Twitter and he was able to pull up a bunch of news, people talking about it. And uh, Twitter's amazing for getting instant news. By the way, if you're not following me on Twitter, check me out at one Mark Moss. It's the number one at one Mark Moss. Um, hit me up. Let me know you're listening to the show. I'd love to hear from you. But anyway, um, it turns out that about, I don't know, it was about 30, 45 minutes later, um, they issued a release that, oh, there's no inbound ballistic missile. Um, somebody just accidentally did that. So someone accidentally did that, just like accidentally hit the wrong button. But wouldn't somebody have to type in the message? It wasn't just somebody hitting the wrong button, they had to type in the message, right? Whatever the story was, we'll never know. The government never tells us the truth. But uh, somehow, accidentally, that message got sent out. It, was, it wasn't, wasn't uh, obviously didn't happen. No bomb happened. We don't know the truth. But now let's go back to the SEC. So the day before we were supposed to get the approval, the SEC Twitter account put out a message saying that it, uh, from the SEC account, that the ETFs were approved. Everybody's going crazy. There's all types of tweets going on. Uh, all these Twitter spaces started popping up. I got, I jumped onto some Twitter spaces. We're talking about, oh my gosh, it got approved, it got approved, it got approved. And just a little while later, I don't know, it's about 30 minutes later, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, goes on his Twitter and says, the SEC account was uh, compromised or hacked. Um, it's not really approved. Hmm. Sort of like there's not really a ballistic missile inbound to Hawaii to kill you. Huh. Okay. So it was hacked. Well, uh, you might know that I've recently just got my Twitter account back. I was my Twitter account got hacked um, in August, August twelfth of last year, and I was locked out of my Twitter account for five months. I got back in January first, a few weeks ago, and um, it took me five months. I'm a I'm a KYC blue check pain. They charge my account every month. I filled out over like thirty probably plus support tickets, and it took me five months to get my account back. Supposedly the SEC's account got hacked, and they got it back within minutes. Probably not. But also uh, the message looked very official, and Gensler's response was very quick. So then obviously speculation starts going on, um, and my best guess was that it was probably meant to go out the following day the intern that was putting it into the sec twitter account when they scheduled it they probably put the wrong date in there 
That's probably my guess. Now, what was interesting is the market started going crazy. As a matter of fact, you got this huge spike run up and then you got this huge sell off. Maybe they wanted to see what was going on. Now, the, the, the insanity of this is that the SEC goes after people like Elon Musk for using Twitter to manipulate markets. And here they were, intentional or not, I don't know. They didn't secure their account, whatever the case may be. They should, they're liable for it. They use Twitter to manipulate the market. Somebody or somebody's use that information to trade off of. Just look at the data. You can see it. And so the SEC... Supposedly, you know, trying to watch out for us, for the consumer, watch out for the little guy, was the one that manipulated the markets with this. Now, again, whether it was intentional, an intern did it or whatever, they didn't secure that properly, which brings up a whole nother topic about government comms being insecure, unsecured, right? Like if somebody has access to all the government comms, I mean, think about what they could do. I mean, somebody at Twitter could potentially, and I, I don't want to say this for sure because I don't know, I don't work at Twitter, but potentially Elon Musk or somebody else working at Twitter could put out tweets on behalf of a government account. I mean, they could say from the DOD, Department of Defense, like, we've just launched nuclear weapons to China, for example, right? And imagine what China would do. Imagine if uh, China saw that message like I woke up to saying that there was inbound nuclear weapons and it was from the DOD, for example, right? What would they potentially do. So think about how much of a danger that is. Somebody inside Twitter having access to all the government comms. What we've seen happen uh, many times, you know, through whatever you want to call the vigilantes or whistleblowers is, is people doing things like this. And so that's a big problem. Now we do have a solution for this. And this is of course, decentralized technologies, which I talk about all the time. And so one kind of strong up and coming replacement for Twitter is what's called Noster, N-O-S-T-R, which is a new type of technology that basically gives you like a Twitter-like client, but it's completely decentralized. And only I can control my my Noster account through a use of a private key, a, 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 a cryptographic key, sort of like how Bitcoin works. Um, and so it's only a matter of time before we see things, everything, everything switch over to that. We have to, I mean, to think of a government comms being run on a platform that could be compromised like this, it's, it's pretty insane when you think about it. Okay. So now here we go. Let's get past that. Um, that was a little bit of mess up again. I, I have to laugh at the incompetence of the government, but here we have, uh, it got approved. And so what happened? Well, they fumbled the, the launch, but then, then it opened up. And so far on the first day that the ETF's been open, we've seen $4.6 billion of trading happen on it. Now, that's, that's pretty massive. Now, to put that into some perspective, $4.6 billion, that's in trading. That's how much has moved daily. But I mean, you're talking an asset that already do, does $40, 50000000000 billion a day. So potentially, you know, it's less than 10% of the total amount of daily transaction jumped in the SEC. So it's not overwhelming, but if we put it into perspective, maybe it is. So we saw, you know, Bitcoin's a lot of things. Um, a lot of people compare it to like a digital gold, like a store of value. But if we look at gold, we have gold ETFs. A lot of you might own uh, gold through an ETF. And if we look at gold ETFs, what we can see is the very first one was a spider SB. DR is the symbol, Spider Gold Trust, with the symbol is GLD. It's the most well-known ETF. It's been uh, seeing significant growth. And it launched in 2003. 
All right. It launched uh, March 28th of 2003 with an initial assets under management of around 115 million. So when the gold one was launched, it got 115 million. Now that's assets under management. We don't know exactly where the assets under management will end up in these Bitcoin ETFs yet. We'll have to let the dust settle a little bit, but we see 4.6 billion in uh, trading. So we'll probably end up at a billion versus 115 million in gold. Sorry, gold guys. Now by 2004, by the end of 2004, which was almost two years later, um, they had grown to about 1.5 billion. So it took gold almost two years to get to 1.5 billion in assets. And I bet you the Bitcoin is going to be there in a month. Sorry, gold guys. Sorry, tulip haters or whatever. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, then we saw um, other... Um, we saw other uh, ETFs pop up. I think there was uh, five gold ETFs that popped up in the first five years. We saw iShares, Comex, Gold Trust, I, IAU launched in January 21st, 2005. We saw ETFs, uh, Physical Gold, uh, that's the GOLD, launched on November 18th, 2005. We saw um, another one launched September 2009, Sprott, Physical Gold Trust, launched February 2010. Aberdeen launched uh, October 15, 2010. So from 2003 to 2010, we got five that opened up, five. Now, to put that into perspective, we just got 11 Bitcoin ETFs approved. So it took, five, it, it took uh, seven years to get five gold ETFs. And now we got 11 Bitcoin ETFs in the same day. Pretty amazing. And again, if you look at the uh, price, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about which of these uh, Bitcoin ETFs opened up, uh, the good, the bad about them, and we'll project some of the pricing and what you should do to um, pay attention to this. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, talking about, of course, the Bitcoin ETFs, the biggest news in the financial space for sure. Got a whole lot more to cover when I come back, but I got to take a very short break, but you don't want to miss it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about that Bitcoin ETF that just got approved. Big, big, big news. The biggest news. Um the biggest news in the financial space. I don't know if there's anything bigger, at least right now. And so I'm sure you're already hearing about it, but I want to bring it to you from another angle. We were just looking at the Bitcoin ETFs compared to the gold ETFs. Um, as we've explained, um, they're way bigger. They're blowing away records, which is uh, pretty amazing. Um, will that push the price up of uh, Bitcoin like it did gold, similarly to gold? We'll see. Uh, what we do know is that when the gold ETF launched, the price of gold was about $327 an ounce, $327. And by the time the fifth one launched, it was up to $1,300. So from $300 to $1,300. As I said, that was five gold ETFs. We saw 11 Bitcoin ETFs launch at the same time. Now, Bitcoin is the single greatest asset of all time. It's been growing really, really fast. Um, and now we have 11 ETFs. And what, what we saw, which was pretty interesting, is um, all of these ETFs that were getting approved were start, starting to fight over, they're fighting for you, right? They're fighting for you as a customer. And they started fighting by changing their price structure, how much they'll charge you to use their ETFs. And they started moving the price down lower, 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 including, you know, even free for a while, right? Eventually they'll charge you, but even for free. And it made me think that, one, obviously, you know, capitalism is that when competition is there, you and I as a consumer get better products, better service, better prices. So that's good. But what it really made me think was that if all of these ETFs are willing to drop their fees that low, they must be expecting a massive amount of inflow, right? Because they need to have money. They, they need money to cover their costs. They're not doing this for free. It's very expensive because of the bureaucracy and the red tape involved in the financial industry. It's very expensive to launch an ETF. As a matter of fact, um, I looked into launching my own ETF. There's another YouTuber, uh, Meet Kevin. He launched an ETF. And the company that launched ETF Forum contacted me about launching one as well. Um, so I looked into it and uh, it's very expensive. You know, you're looking at on the low end, probably half a million dollars, if not millions, and to get the ETF, if you're you know one of these big companies, millions for sure. And so you're not going to launch that if you don't think you can make money. And the they were lowering the price, lowering the price, lowering the price, lowering the price so much for competition, and they can raise the price later potentially, I guess. But what it shows me, and most people kind of commentate on this that that understand, is that they're probably just expecting a massive amount of assets under management. So the, even the low amount of fees at the percentage basis is still enough to cover that. Now, another thing that's interesting, if we compare this to a gold ETF, is that this is the first ETF in history ever in which the underlying asset, in this case, Bitcoin, has a fixed supply. So what do I mean by that? So in a uranium ETF or an oil ETF, and certainly in a gold ETF, when more people buy gold and the price of gold goes up, what happens? So when they jumped into the gold ETFs and it pushed the price from 300 to 1300, what happened? Well, more gold companies and gold miners went to go get more gold. 
When it's 300 bucks, you have a few people mining to bring gold to the market. When it goes to 1300, they're rushing to go get more gold or more uranium or more energy to the market if the price goes up. But Bitcoin is the first asset in history that can't do that. Bitcoin has a fixed supply. So what happens with that? Well, we don't really know. We don't have history to tell us, uh, but let's just say number go up. We call that NGU. <laughs> NGU technology is sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek way to say that. Uh, but the price would go up. We've never seen this before, and it could be very volatile. So I would expect massive amounts of volatility uh, because of this. Now, some of the volatility has been because people are leaving some of the more expensive ways to own Bitcoin in the past um, through funds like this, such as the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. And so that's also part of the volatility and start, start of the liquidity that we're starting to see withdrawing from those funds, moving into the other ones. Um, some other things that we're seeing right now today, which is pretty interesting, I think this is going to change, but if, you, if you're online at all, you can see, for example, Vanguard, which is uh, one of the top three asset managers in the, in the world, um, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street being those three. Vanguard is refusing to let customers buy Bitcoin through the ETFs with their own money, which is pretty interesting. I would just say that if your bank which happens to me quite a bit, um, or your fund, whatever they are, if they refuse to let you do something with your own money, I would just ask the question, is it your own money? Now, many times I've had wires blocked. I've gone to my bank. I need to send a wire. They block it. They make me fill out forms. They ask me questions. I've had to sit down with bank managers. I mean, you name it. And it makes me so angry because it's like, look, man, it's my money. What are you like? Who are you to even ask me if I want to send my money? It's my money but it's not, right? So you understand that in the banking system, that money is no longer your money. That money is now an IOU to you, right? Now you're an unsecured creditor of the bank. So it's actually their money. They decide what they can do with it. And in this case, Vanguard is doing that. Um, and I was starting to see reports of other institutions also blocking access to funds. I did see people buying it with JP Morgan. Uh, Fidelity is doing it as well. Fidelity also has their own ETF as well. Uh, but I think that some of this is gonna just change. I mean, look, it's, it's been at the time I'm recording this just one day, right? Like give it some time. Uh, the, the one thing that I see over and over and over and over and over that just wreck most people, specifically when it comes to investing, but in life in general, is just the short time span, right? Um, preference. And so expecting way too much too soon. And it's like, look, man, give it a day, give it a, give it a couple of days, give it a week. I'm sure Vanguard's gonna come around. Maybe it takes time to get that set up. Maybe they don't, you know, they, they, they got caught off sides, uh, or maybe they're skeptical. Maybe they don't want you to do it yet, and they want to kind of see how it plays out. Whatever the case is, I wouldn't be, as I've seen people talking about online, I wouldn't be rushing to close my accounts and move money over. I don't know if it requires that, but a lot of people are doing that. If I was going to do that, though, I would be choosing Fidelity. And I'd probably be choosing Fidelity for a number of reasons, which I want to break down for you. Uh, one of which is because Fidelity is sort of a true OG Bitcoin company. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that they have been in the Bitcoin space for a long time. I think they started mining Bitcoin back in like 2014 or something like that. So, so Fidelity has been in the forefront of Bitcoin. They're a true Bitcoin company. And if I was going to support one, I certainly wouldn't be supporting BlackRock. I would probably be choosing to support Fidelity. They put out a report in October of 2023, I, I talked about before, 
and they were talking about why investors need to consider Bitcoin separately from other digital assets, meaning Bitcoin, not crypto, as we talk about all the time. And they put out this report, which I thought was very, very good. 10 different points, um, or lots of points in the report. I want to hit on a couple of them. Uh, but one, they talked about how uh, Bitcoin is this, is this brand new technology and how never in human history have we seen or have we been able to solve the problem of digital scarcity uh, and have this like peer-to-peer -peer way to transfer. Now, you might say, but, but why would they say that we don't have that with other cryptocurrencies? Well, Ethereum, the number two cryptocurrency, they've changed their monetary policy like three times in the last couple of years. So they make it more scarce, they make it less scarce, but the very fact that they can change it means it's not, right? So Bitcoin hasn't done that. Uh, Bitcoin, uh, Fidelity said that Bitcoin should be considered first and separate from all other digital assets. Um, so sort, sort of making that case. They said that owning Bitcoin is like owning the base layer of the internet. Imagine being able to do that, right? So we talk about Bitcoin as like a protocol. A protocol is a basic set of instructions that determines how packets of information go across. So on the internet, we have like the IP, uh, TCP IP, and Bitcoin, we have the same thing as a protocol and you can own the base layer. So there's a lot of things that uh, Fidelity's got right. They're a Bitcoin company. And if I was going to use an ETF, that's what I'd be using. We're gonna be covering this a whole lot more. You're not gonna to wanna to miss out on this, but I expect this to move the Bitcoin price, what we say, up and to the right. <laughs> That's up. NGU, number go up. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Like I said, I'm back on Twitter, so I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter, at one Mark Moss. Let me know you're listening. Let me know what topics you'd like me to cover. If you're listening on the podcast, I'd love it if you'd like and review the podcast. That'd mean the world to me. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening today. Until next time. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 